came our regeneration. We are born again as new creations with a new relationship with him. We're adopted into the family of God. We, we relate to him now as completely new creatures because of what happened in Jesus. There's a direct connection with the power of his resurrection and us living in the good of that resurrection. Um, you know, we, we don't live as victims of the fall. We don't live as victims of the fall. Too many people, too many believers, too many Christians still think of themselves as victims of the fall. But instead, we live as participating in and enforcing the victory of Jesus. So we live out to represent the victory of Jesus in this time, in this place, because we're new creatures. If we don't understand that regeneration process, if we don't understand what we've been born into, we won't really grasp what a living hope looks like. So we're born again to a living hope. We live as new creatures. So let's, let's just spend a few minutes defining hope. Um, the dictionary definitions, and there are obviously a bunch of dictionaries out there, so I've compiled some of the pieces from several different ones. But hope is first defined as a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. That's, that's our English understanding, our, as an English word, hope. That's what we understand. The second definition in most dictionaries has something to do with um, to look forward with anticipation or to want something to be true. That's what our English word hope means. Almost every dictionary also has a third, and that third they call an archaic meaning. What an archaic meaning is, is that this word used to have this in it, but it doesn't have it in it anymore. In other words, over time, language changes, and one of the changes in our English language is that something that used to be there isn't there anymore. And that archaic is a feeling of trust. So in the English language, the people you meet on the street that don't know Jesus, their, their definition of hope is not a living hope. It's just a hope. Now, one of the kind of websites I used has this distinction between um, kind of hope and trust, because basically we've lost the idea of trust and hope. How many of you know that might be a really serious issue? Um, if there's no trust in hope, then hope is only going to be tied in hope. So this is, this is their direct, literal word-for-word word description. Underlined is mine, but the word-for-word. The key difference between hope and trust is their base. Trust is based on reliability, confidence, or belief in someone else. Whereas hope is not based on such qualities. Hope is merely a desire and expectation for a particular thing to happen. I, I want you to look at that and let that get down inside you. What that means is for the world today, the only foundation for hope is hope. Literally. Do we have any idea why we might be facing so much hopelessness? Why there's so much pessimism? Because if your hope is only based on hope, it has no foundation, it has no future, it has no meaning. It, it has nothing to tie you to something that's bigger than who you are. But we were born again to a living hope. Now let's, let's just look at the biblical word for a few minutes. The word hope in the New Testament comes from the Greek ellipsis. According to Strong's, it means expectation, trust, and confidence. So a biblical hope, a living hope, is a hope that has trust in something bigger than your ability to hope. 
It has, it has confidence in the nature of someone. Hope, a living hope, connects you to the reality of who God is and ties you into his purpose and his future. It ties you into history. It ties you into an eternal lifestyle. It ties you into something outside of this temporal world. And while the world is trying to find hope in the temporal or in the natural we have a living hope that's directly connected to a future in Him. It's tied unquestionably to more than just our ability to hope. So, you know, if your hope is tied to hope, you're not going to last long. Your spirituality, your, your Christianity, your, your tie to the gospel is only going to be as good as your next feeling. But if our hope is living, if it's tied to eternity, then it has a completely different connection to it. This is, this is essential for us, church. Um, so the word hope, it, it comes from a root word which means to anticipate with pleasure. Do you know you'll never be depressed if you're anticipating with pleasure? A living hope gives you the power to anticipate with pleasure. But just take this a little bit further. It comes from a root word, which means anticipate with pleasure. The verb form is translated in Scripture interchangeably as hope and trust. So living hope isn't just tied to some obscure idea. Living hope is tied to our trust in who he is. Uh, in fact, King James translates this as hope 10 times and trust 18 times in, in, in the King James Version. Every version of Scripture adjusts the number there, but they, they all do that interchangeable translation of this. Why? Because our hope is founded in something. And that hope is in who he is. It's in God's character. It's in his nature. It's in, his, it's in who he is. It's in his nature. So in Romans we read, Now the, Lord, the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. What is it? What does it mean when Scripture connects the nature of God to an attribute? God doesn't have to try to work up hope. He is hope. And the God of hope wants to pour hope into you in the midst of you still believing for things to happen. How many of you have believed for something you haven't seen happen yet? How do you get through that? Hope, a living hope that isn't affected by what you haven't seen, but it's affected what you've tied your life to. If you've tied your life to the God of hope, you will never, ever be hopeless, even when things around you aren't working. That's the power of a living hope. It's alive, it's vital, it's flourishing. It doesn't matter what's going on around you, it's not changed. I see so many believers facing difficult situations and they want to adjust their theology or they want to adjust what they believe because they're not seen. Instead of tying yourself to a living hope where my circumstances no longer dictate the way this is to happen. We're born again to a living hope. We're born again to something that's alive. Or born again to something that's real. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word abound is basically the word overflow. So the God of hope is filling you with so much hope that you're overflowing with hope. So when people get around you, they get blasted with hope because there's so much hope in that the, the closest... English word to that Greek word abound is actually our word superfluous, which simply means there's so much hope poured into you that it's ridiculously more than you can contain. I mean, it's, it's, there's an extravagance to the fact that you've been born again into a hope 
And that hope you've been brought into will so fill you with hope that everybody around you will be touched by hope. Dear, what's it going to look like when the body of Christ lives in a living hope? It means everywhere you go, everybody you touch, everybody you interact with, everybody is touched with this life-giving hope that's in you. Something is charged in you, and it's causing you to affect people around you. Have you all been around people that kind of drain you? I, I know nobody in this room would be that way, but... You know, sometimes you get around people, and the lack of hope they walk in... Actually, it just, it feels like it's draining you. What if we all walked with a living hope? And it says in that same verse that the Holy Spirit is going to work in you to increase your hope and invite you into, holy, into that overflow. So one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to reveal the nature of Jesus, to reveal the character of God. The Holy Spirit in you has the full right and capacity and ability to cause you to focus your hope where it belongs. So the overflow is because the third person, the Trinity, the Spirit of God, has taken up resident in you, and the Holy Spirit is birthing a reality of who the God of hope is in you. And that gets so strong that no circumstances around you has the ability to dampen this thing you're feeling. How many of you think we might need to get a hold of this? See, sometimes we don't realize we're trapped in our own language. Uh, Sally and I have had the privilege of working in different language groups for much of our life. And I, I love language. I'm fascinated by language. And I remember I, I grew up speaking Swahili, but I never studied it to, pre to preach. And so I went to language school to get a hold of this language so I'd be able to preach in Swahili. And I, I remember about halfway through that year of intensive kind of biblical vocabulary and things, I ran across something that has stuck with me the rest of my life. In Swahili, the word for hope, the word for trust, and the word for faith are all the same word. They're just different forms of the same word. And as you begin to look, some of the Greek and Hebrew ideas is they tie those three things together so closely that your hope, your faith, your trust are all tied because they're tied into the nature of a living God. They're tied into who He is, and they're completely unaffected by circumstances around you. We need a living hope, church. We need a living hope. So when we live in a living hope, it empowers us to live in an optimistic, hope-filled environment. That's really what revival is. We're talking about, uh, Larry's talked this morning about the, just the numbers of people being saved around the world. You can choose to look at that or you can choose to look at what evil's doing. I choose to live my life in the living hope. And I'm constantly blown away by what the Spirit of God is doing in the earth and the, just the level that things are happening and the, the shifts in nations and the changes. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of that, there's some crazy stuff going on. In the middle of that, some of our friends are, are, are in deep despair at the moment because of stuff they're walking through. But that doesn't change who our living hope is doesn't change the nature of God, doesn't change who He is, it doesn't dampen our, our desire to walk out who He is. When we live in the living hope, we are constantly aware of Jesus' perspective, and we're celebrating from that position. And His perspective is a whole lot different than my perspective. His perspective is anticipation for the whole earth being filled with the glory of the Lord. 
It's an anticipation for his kingdom expanding. It's an anticipation of believers stepping into fullness. You know, it, it's too easy to push things into the future instead of living in the living hope now. When you're in a living hope, you're connected to your future. There's an anticipation for you. The older I get, the more excited I am about standing before Jesus. That's allowed, guys. The more excited we are about standing before him and how close did we come to everything you intended for our lives. That's a living hope. It's not temporal, it's eternal. And so we live with an eternal perspective that ties the two things together. Verse you're very familiar with. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, as we start in this verse, remember that faith, trust, and hope are interrelated words in Scripture. There's a direct connection between those words. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. So hope is the raw material for faith. So what are you hoping for? If you're not hoping beyond what you're now seeing, you're not living in the living hope. You're living in a temporal hope that is just, well, we really hope this all works out. Your hope is in hope. (laughs) That's a lousy place for your hope to be secured. I want my hope secured in the nature of, of a father that loves us and sent his son to die for us and has, born, has brought us into new birth and has created us to be a people full of this, just this living capacity to believe for more. Y'all with me? If we don't have hope, there's literally no atmosphere for faith to grow. How many of you feel like you want your faith to grow a little bit? Just about all of us. You know what the secret to your faith growing is? Start hoping for stuff. Start hoping for stuff. If you don't have hope growing in you, there's nothing to convert to the currency of faith. There are lots of things I've not seen yet that I'm hoping for. I believe I'm going to see some of those things that we've not seen yet. It doesn't matter that I've not seen it. It doesn't change because hope doesn't have to see the manifestation. Hope just is contending for that thing to happen. And then faith comes along and brings that hope into substance, into reality. So faith has the capacity to bring the future hope into the present. I want to stretch you just a little bit. I told you I like language. Well, in both the English and the Greek definitions for hope, they use the word expectation. Both use the same, same word. So expectation is... It's a double-barreled Latin word that comes over into English with almost the same meaning. And so it's basically a combination of two Latin words. It's the prefix ex, which means out over beyond, and specter to see. So expectation is the ability to see outside your circumstances to something more than you're experiencing. So expector, literally from out to see out from, means you're in the middle of something that's a challenge, but hope gives you the ability to see outside of the challenge you're facing and begin to tie yourself to a future in his promise rather than to the circumstances that are beating up on you right now. A lot of the body of Christ is, is being beat up by the things around them instead of expectoring. 
And a living hope will tie you to who God is and what his purpose is. There's so many things we've walked through in our lives that I didn't want to walk through. Bunch of stuff I didn't choose to walk through. Bunch of situations you get in the middle of and just thinking, God, I don't even know why I'm here in this. And if you look at the circumstances around you, all you see is hopelessness. When Sally and I came to Springfield. We came to some very challenging situations, and a few of you in the room were with us during those days. Um, we actually saw revival fall in a church in the city, and the end product of that is we got voted out. And uh, the last four months of that, I had been told or I'd been given a series of topics that I can preach on. And a, a statement from the board was, we pay your salary, so we tell you what to preach. And so my answer was really quite simple. From today, I'm your pastor with no salary. And I'll preach what the Holy Spirit gives me to preach. Well, four months later, we were voted out. And they received no salary for the last four months. And Philip got a phone call from a lady in Seattle, Washington. It was his roommate. He was in ORU. It was his roommate's mom. So Philip's roommate's mom wakes up in the middle of the night on a Saturday night and gets a word from God. The word from God was exactly this. Call your son's roommate's father and tell him he's going to be voted out of his church tonight. But every prophetic word ever spoken over that church goes with him to the church he's to plant in the same city. And I'm thinking, no way. I mean, I am so ready to shake the dust of Springfield off my feet and get out of this God-forsaken town. And I will never look back here again. I will be so happy to be gone. I'm in the middle of a circumstance. We have... I mean, our, we've been living with no salary for four months. We have nothing. We, in fact, we have negative. And God's telling me to plant a church in this city. In all of my life, it's probably the hardest night I ever faced because I really didn't want to do it. In fact, I'd already made a phone call that day and uh, we'd already agreed to take another church and move. But in the middle of the night, you're fighting a living hope. And the living hope starts showing you what he wants to do in the city you hate. Showing you what he wants to do in the midst of chaos and turmoil and just so much stuff going on. Sometime in the wee hours of the morning, I gave up and said, okay, Lord, we'll do it. And Dayspring was birthed out of that obedience. But if I hadn't seen outside the circumstance... I, I, know, I don't know if many of you have planted a church before, but one of the natures of a church plant is it actually takes a massive amount of resources. Um, Sal and I have done it a number of times, and it's, it's always taken a, a long period of time before it's established and people are together and, you know, the finances are working, all those pieces, and, and we had none of that. You know, that on the first service of Dayspring, Sally and I got our full salary. Yeah. 
And we never missed a salary check in 27 years. Because God did something there that we couldn't do here. So we, got, we need to be born again to a living hope. We need the ability to see outside of what we're doing. And when we do that, the living hope allow, allows us to really tie into extending his kingdom in a real way. The second piece of faith I want you to look at is that it takes what we hope for and makes it a reality. The, the second word that's used to define hope is the word anticipation. And it's another wonderful double-barreled Latin word. Um, anti, a prefix, which means before or in advance, and sepre, to take. So anticipation literally means you begin to take something in advance of it being available to you. Yeah, I like hope. Because hope allows us to tap into things that we aren't yet experiencing. So Jesus goes to a wedding feast and Mary comes up and tells him there's no wine. Jesus' response is, it's not my time. Mary turns to the servants and says, do whatever he says. What's she doing? She's anticipating. She's anticipating. She's taking something in advance of it being available. Yeah. I want to live my life taking things in advance when other people say they're not available. There are things Sally and I are contending for. Three times in the last 10 years, we have seen 100% of sick in the room healed. Three times. Jesus saw it all the time. So I suspect that's something I need to anticipate. I need to begin to push. I need to keep contending. Now, we, we haven't seen it in a while, and I want to see it. My last time I saw it was, was about five years ago. I, I want to see that as a regular part of who we are. I think in this revival that's coming, we're going to begin to see that again. Uh, Voice of the Apostles is happening right now in Brazil. The first time it's happened in Brazil, it got delayed because of COVID. And they've had meetings where everybody in the room who was sick can you anticipate something we've not walked in yet are you willing to stretch out beyond the limits of, uh, of where you are and start believing for more so hope allows you to take hold of things that you've not experienced how, how many of you have things you're believing for and haven't seen oh this is a pretty hope filled room there's actually some Contend for that. You know, the fun of doing this for 52 years, we've been in ministry. February will be 53 years we've been in ministry together. I cannot tell you how many boxes we've checked and what we're believing for that now are just normal to us. Things that used to be so far out of reach and now just feel normal. Start anticipating. Put your hand on your heart. Time to anticipate. Time to expect. Time to break out of the limitations of the things that are around us and begin to believe for more. So faith is the conviction of things not seen. That word conviction means um, how a thing is proved or tested. Faith is the testing of things you haven't seen. It's the conviction of things not seen. Faith takes what you've not seen that and drags it into your present so that you're living in it and walking in it and it becomes normal to you. I remember years ago after we planted Dayspring, there were several years that we, our regular salary came in and it met our needs, but the debt we had incurred in that four months 
just never got cleaned up. And I remember the day I was sitting in the house and saying, God, I just, I thank you for this, but this is driving me crazy. We're paying interest on this debt month after month after month, and we're not making a dent in it. And we planted day spring, we bought our house, we were living on this side of the city, we were contending for it. And the Lord led me into a repentance and a birthing of hope. And within six months, we were out of debt, including our mortgage being paid off. And we've never been in debt since. Now, I used to dream about not being in debt. It used to be one of those things that one day, wouldn't it be nice? But it was never hopeful in the living hope sense. It was always in the hope hope sense. When it got into the living hope sense, it suddenly became a reality. Church, there's a bunch of things we need to bring into the right framework so that we're believing for the things we need to believe for. Um, you know, faith is the proof that our hope is in the right place. Faith is the proof that your hope was in the right place. So if you're not seeing the things you're believing for, it's time to refocus your hope off of I really, really hope things are going to get better and start tying your hope in the eternal nature of a sovereign God and who He is and tie into that and you will be, it, you'll find it impossible to be hopeless. Because the closer you get to the God of hope, the more hopeful you become. And the less effect things around you have on you. We're way too affected by stuff. Yeah. Time to break free from the stuff. So if we're hopeless or pessimistic in this hour, we're not going to participate in what God's doing in the way he desires us to do. Sally and I have been through a number of healing and deliverances over the course of our life. But when we married, we had two strongholds that held us captive. My stronghold was I was raised on the mission field and I was taught that poverty was spiritual. And I just believed it. I remember when we bought our first house in England, I went through a death because I thought I was abandoning my roots because I was actually going to own a piece of property. It was that strong. Sally was raised in a household with a wonderful, loving family. In fact, I got closer to her family than I was to my own. But her dad would walk out the door on the morning, and if the sky was blue, he would start fussing about how quickly it was going to rain. He just lived in the negative anticipation of what's not going to work. And so Sally had to break out of that thought mindset that she was raised in. I had to break out of my mindset. And we both come into a living hope where those mindsets don't affect us anymore. But if those things are troubling you, if those things are hounding you, if, if the failures of your history are hounding you, get help and break out of it. You need to get free. That stuff, that generational junk doesn't need to be hanging on. Let me try to finish this. First Thessalonians, but since we are the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. I'm not going to try to get into what the day means, um, but the context is living prepared for whatever. The context is be ready. The context is live our life with the expectation of what God's doing and not the anticipation of what the enemy's doing. We live harvest-focused, not enemy-focused. That's the way we've got to live our lives. And so the, the, the more chaotic the world gets, 
the more important these promises are that we find here in this passage. And I just want to briefly look at three of them. They're the preparation for this next season. Number one, we need to be sober. Since we're of the day, let us be sober, having put on. A sober is a clarity of mind. It's a, it's a not fuzzy. It, it's a getting your mind to the place where the single focus of your mind is what God's doing and what he's about. We have chosen as a family and as Dayspring to live harvest-focused. I want to live with an expectation of what God is doing, and I want to stand before him having done what he's asked me to do. Uh, to me, the command of Scripture is, will he find you working when he comes? My job is to be doing what I'm called to do. His job is to do the rest. We've got to live with that constant expectation. And a soberness doesn't give in to our senses, doesn't give in to the dulling effects of a society around us. It, it, being sober is staying focused on what the truth is and believing the truth even when the circumstances don't look right. The second part of that is to put on the breastplate of faith and love. Um, the breastplate is what protects the heart and battle. So it's faith and love that are actually the protection of your heart no matter what's going around you. How many of you have found your heart getting beat up on by circumstances and people and relationships and just the junk? The protection of that is the breastplate. And then the final one is to put on the helmet the hope of salvation. Hope is what protects your mind. Hope's what protects. It keeps you from getting despondent or discouraged or down about what's going on. It keeps you focused on the things that are in front of you. It keeps you focused on fulfilling his purpose. Do I like everything that's going on in the world? Of course not. I don't like persecution any more than the next person does. But that doesn't define our hope. Our hope is defined outside of or beyond those circumstances. A living hope pulls you into the nature of God. Hope, hope is messed up when the things around you aren't working. Too many Christians are caught in hope, hope, and they don't have living hope. I can tell when I talk to you. <laughs> Do you know that hopelessness is expectation? It's expectation of, of disaster. When you're hopeless, you're expecting things to go wrong. You're expecting to not have enough money at the end of the month. You're expecting to not get that check. You're hopelessness is the negative expectation. Same word. So in the negative, you can see outside of where you are and you believe for the worst. Expector. Things are bad, but oh my, they're going to get worse. You know, you live there, you'll live in a mess. You'll live defeated. When we're surrounded by bad news, fear, subsistence, speculation... We need to put on a living hope. Something that actually is alive in this moment. Last verse. Therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. So the question is, where is our hope fixed? Where is your hope fixed this morning? Is it fixed in the temporal or is it fixed in the eternal? If it's fixed in the temporal, then you're going to be affected by the economy or the politics or the, or, the, or, the, or the long list of things. So we're to keep our hope fixed on the grace that is brought about in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times, this is one of those verses we use to push things into the future. But the reality is that the grace available is now. There's two alternative translations to that, and a couple of 
several of the commentators have picked it up, but that grace is bringing to you or which grace has brought to you. It always has the idea of unfolding revelation. There is more. We are going to stand before him, whether that's his coming or, or I go to stand before him, whichever is happening. We are going to stand before him. That's going to happen. But there's an unfolding of his grace now and the revelation of his nature now that we can get caught into. And the more you spend time with the God of hope, the more you'll live in that constant expectancy of what he's about to do. Even if you don't ever see it, the, the whole Hebrews 11 passage is people believe for stuff they didn't see. And they end up in Scripture as the faith giants because they hoped for something. <laughs> you want to be a faith giant? Hope in the middle of it not working. So if our hope is in our performance... It only takes one mess up for our hope to be gone. If our hope is in our job, the minute I lose my job, I lose my hope. Where's your hope fixed? If our hope is in the economy, the moment it gets in trouble, we've lost hope. This is the world's definition of hope, and it ties us to a cycle of failure that it's time to get out of. If our hope is in government... The minute the government doesn't work, we lose hope. If your hope is in relationships, under pressure, hope won't last. Some people in marriage, you're putting your hope in you always getting it right with each other. That's not what makes marriage work. I'm putting unreal expectations on another person that they've got to behave perfectly toward me. A living hope pulls us into a future in him that ties us together on a different level. Our hope is in other people making right choices. Good luck to you. (laughs) If our hope is in pastors and leaders, we're going to lose hope the minute they let you down. Every one of us has feet of clay. Every one of us has the capacity to mess up. Doesn't matter what we've seen or walked in. The only place for our hope to be fixed is on Jesus and the grace he gives for every single day. And if we can tie our hope to that living reality, you will never find yourself short of hope. The closer you get to the God of hope, the more hope-filled you become. And you can look around you, you can look at things happening, Um, I think Sally and I are now going on two years. We've never had the news turned on in our house. It'll mess you up. It'll sow things into you that you don't need to be believing and hearing. I would much rather tie into the God of hope and tap into what he's doing in a moment because what he's doing is way more fun than what's going on around me. I don't have this verse up here, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus faces death on the cross. And there's this amazing statement said about him. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Ex spector. He's in the midst of enduring the cross. But he looks beyond the cross and he's filled with excitement for the joy that was set before him. That's expector. That's hope. The ability to be in the middle of devastating circumstances and look beyond it and allow the spirit to birth hope in the middle of of that circumstance. You begin to see, you begin to excite it, you begin to shake off the effects of the circumstances and many, many times that act of hope will break the power of the circumstance you're in. Would you stand up with me this morning?
if you need the grace to look outside of some circumstances, would you just raise your hand with me? Now take that hand and put it on your heart. Father, we choose to live in expectancy and not hopelessness. We choose to look outside of our circumstances and to the joy of who you are and the joy of what you're doing. Father, birth a living hope in our hearts. How many of you want to see some things you haven't seen yet? Father, we want to learn to anticipate. Put your hand on your heart. Father, this morning, we're asking that you would give us the grace to anticipate what we haven't seen yet. To take something in advance of what it appears is available to us. Holy Spirit, come. Release that powerfully in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. May, when I met you this morning as you came in, I just had this overwhelming excitement in me about what God is doing in you and going to do in you. So, Father, we bless May right now with an expectancy and a hope. Father, we just help her break out of some history stuff that seemed like it's had her trap. And we release May into the joy of this next season in you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. As I watched the youth and children being baptized this morning, I remember when May was one of our youth here. Father, we just bless her in Jesus' name in this season. We bless her in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Oh, Kelly, would you go back there and just hug me for a minute? She just needs somebody to love on her. Jesus, amazing woman of God this is. Depth of prophetic insight. The ability to hear God and yeah. ability to love Him and the desire to be right. We just, we just bless her in this season of God pulling yeah. her into who she is in Jesus' yeah. name. Ministry team, could we get you to come down? If you found yourself living without hope and you just seem stuck in a hopeless place, I want to invite you to come down this morning and this team is going to walk you into some freedom, going to walk you into an expectation of God at work in you. So just right now, begin to come down. There's several people you felt stuck in that place. Circumstances have had you bound. Well, this is the moment to say, okay, I want to come up out of that and I want to come into freedom. I want a living hope burst inside of me. So, Father, we just bless this body in Jesus' name. Fathers, we're in this month of talking about living hope. Would you bless us to walk into a level of hope that we've never experienced before? Would you tie our hope to your eternal purpose and get us away from hoping for hope's sake? Get us away from hoping that doesn't seem to be breaking through. So, Father, we just bless you this morning. We bless you in Jesus' name. And we celebrate your presence and we celebrate your power. Living hope be birthed in this room by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you have kids next door, please feel free to go get them. If you're being ministered to, go ahead and finish that first. Father, we thank you for the joy of serving you together. In Jesus' name. Phil. Amen. We're going to continue this series on living hope. Make sure you get back and listen to Marlene's word.
uh, also from last Sunday. Um, it's available online um, on YouTube, so just check that out. Oh, bless you, sir. To make sure you make it back to the table there for women's ministry and men's ministry, right? But uh, make sure you te- check out both of those. So be blessed.